Hey, welcome to BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook. This is the second episode surrounding South by Southwest 2019. And I am honored to have Jessica Couch on today. She's absolutely incredible. If you read the title and description, you probably already know a little bit about what she does. And I will dive into that in a second. But first off, I do want to thank Trendscaping. Trendscaping partnered with BTS Podcast slash myself uh, because of just me. Trendscaping is really great. I have subscribed to their newsletter for some time and followed on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social platforms. Their, their insights are really unique and also actionable and insightful and free, which is great. They're a website and community platform for sharing and mapping insights, ideas, and the evolution of concepts. They take an open source approach, which enables unique discoveries and alternatives by linking themes across diverse subjects and industries, which if you have listened to this podcast for a little bit, or if at all, you may notice is really important to me in, I mean, all of those things are important to me, but largely the idea of linking themes across subjects and industries because everything is connected. Um, there's a lot of things we can't have without the other. And to, I don't know, I just am not a believer in taking like a super narrow approach to problem solving or insights or anything. Um, I really love how the founder of Transcaping sort of describes the website. Uh, she says, and I, I was just gonna quote it directly because I think it's beautiful and super accurate in my you know years of experience, um, both contributing and subscribing to Trendscaping. She says, think of it as a cross-pollination where ideas are the flowers and community members are the bees, exploring and contributing to significant cultural shifts. Uh, that is beautiful. And this is why I ask Shannon for editor notes uh, on everything I write for them because she is incredible, not only with insights, but also just with like, sort of converging very divergent thoughts, which is how my brain works is in complete and utter divergence. So anyways, I am really excited to have on Jessica Couch and I'm excited to partner with Trendscaping. This episode, the previous episode and several upcoming episodes are all part in partnership with Trendscaping around South By. Um, before we get into it and Jessica sort of like reiterates everything that she does, but I just wanna do a brief sort of intro of what she does. So she has a company called Luxor and Finch, uh, which specializes in fit advising. So they help companies understand how fit is a competitive advantage and how to incorporate fit, fit-based strategies using copy, content, technology, and experiences. Um, what she does is really incredible and so smart, and she's so smart. Uh, she is also the co-creator of the Women of Color Brunch, which is, I think it's her and Brittany uh, created, well, I know it's, I know it's Jessica and Brittany, but I'm pretty sure it's the two of them, specifically. They started the Women of Color Brunch, which is like, I think they use the hashtag Fashtech, which I love. It is semi-annual, you should definitely look into it, and they do offer uh, scholarships for students, which is great. Look up Luxor and Finch. Um, there are links to her socials and to her LinkedIn in the description of this episode. She shares really, really incredible blog content on uh, in the form of like LinkedIn long form articles. Um, some of these include 
items, I mean not items, but titles such as Fit, the Not So Simple Issue, which is accompanied by some really great infographics, Fit Tech User Personas, and just many more. I've been so, I've learned so much from her and um, I'm just really grateful that she shares um, her time and knowledge and everything. Um, she also dives into, toward the end of the episode, the application process for South by Southwest and gets into the order of operations, which from my perspective really calmed my nerves around the idea of applying to host or lead a panel. Um, that sort of, just the details I always get caught up in with anything that makes me feel vulnerable like that. So give that a listen if you have thought about it. Well, give the whole thing a listen. What am I saying? Give the whole thing a listen. But if you thought about applying to South by at all, definitely um, maybe save this on your phone or share it with the people that you're considering applying with to sort of ease all nerves and get a better understanding of what that process is like. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome to BTS Podcast. I am here today in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest with Jessica Couch. Jessica, along with the uh, previous podcast guest, Brittany Hicks, spoke on a panel today that was all about representation in fashion, um, especially as it pertains to fit. And it was amazing. Thank you so much. Happily. Uh, Jessica, could you please introduce yourself? Absolutely. So um, my name is Jessica Couch. I'm the founder of Luxor and Finch Consulting. And um, Luxor and Finch is a fit technology consulting firm where we basically build fit technology, help make fit technology better, and then help integrate it for brands and retailers. So basically the technology is any like mobile app or algorithms that help match people to product better. That's typically what we do. So I think one thing that I didn't really understand coming into this because my background isn't in fashion Mm -hmm. is that I didn't really, like I saw that and I would Mm -hmm. kind of didn't really connect what working in fit technology yeah. meant. Yeah. Um, and so I glossed over it and mm-hmm. figured I'd figure it out. Um, <laughs> and I understand it better now. And so for listeners, uh, by fit technology, what Jessica means, and please feel free to jump in, okay. is technology that better understands how clothes could and should fit people. Absolutely. And because, um, so something as simple as clothing fitting better determines a lot of different things. So first of all, for the actual shopper or consumer it's um it's like a self-confidence thing because you want to feel good when you put on clothing understanding like hey this product is for me anybody who's had a negative experience when they try on clothes they don't want to keep shopping or trying things on when things do not fit and that right there is just like a simple communication issue but brands aren't hip to that on the other end, FIT is also re- responsible for $64 billion worth of returns. Which is insane. It's crazy, but you'd be surprised how many brands and retailers are like, mm, we're not that concerned about that. Wow. Because they can write that off mm-hmm. on um, in their balance sheet. They have a way to kind of like account for that. But what they can't account for is $50 billion worth of dead inventory. And like I mentioned, that's inventory. That and dead inventory... Sorry, you were, I didn't yeah. realize you were no, going to describe go it. I thought you were going to keep going. Just, uh, no, just keep going. Oh, you, were, you were about to describe it. I was like, wait, don't move on. That is all right. No one knows what dead inventory I'll tell is. them because a lot of people don't. So dead inventory is inventory that never leaves the sales floor. So like they put it out and it just hangs there. And honestly, the way that stores are set up now, dead inventory is like a huge thing because you'll just see stuff hanging. Nobody ever touches it. It's just like, you know, different sizes. But there's $50 billion of that every year and that's wasted income. 
So, and all of that contributes to, you know, the 15.1 million tons of waste we have in the U.S. alone from people just throwing clothes away or just never buying them. And so then what happens, is that what happens to the majority of those clothes, do you know? Do they get thrown away? Do they get donated? Where do they go? Great question because brands try to kind of like BS around this topic. Brands simply take those clothes and send them to different countries. Like they inundate different countries with just their waste. So you'll see people in like Southeast Asia wearing like Zara sparkly things and sweaters. You're like, this has no business being here. Sometimes they casually, you mean? Yeah, just casually. You're like, how did this get there? Sometimes they burn it. Like Burberry got in trouble for burning their inventory that didn't sell. They burnt it and they got in trouble because everyone's like, uh, no. But their point was like, well, we don't want people wearing our outdated you know inventory but it's well, like what they do, what they're saying is they don't want uh people that they perceive as poor people exactly. wearing their outfit because nobody bought it but it's like you should be making the amount of product based on the amount of demand and that's the problem with fashion is that it has a bad a poor supply and demand relationship mm-hmm. so any other um any other good or service that had this type of negative relationship would be regulated but fashion everyone's like well whatever well and food though right yeah, like now that i'm true. thinking about it food is oh we way overproduce food you go into yeah. a grocery store and it's like does any of this ever get completely sold out yeah unless it's a hurricane <laughs> <laughs> um so that is super fascinating so i would love if you could talk a little bit more and also, I was, like, blown away at these data points and took a wild amount of notes during their session today because that session um, is, like, full of very, like, tweetable quotes. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how you store all of those numbers <laughs> in your head, but it's amazing that you, you do. Um, and so I will say, if you want to hear that session, which I highly recommend... Uh, Jessica and Brittany are launching a podcast called WTF Fashion. Yeah. Um, and so it will be out, I think, is it early April? Yes. Let's say early April. Okay. So um, most likely early April. And when it is live, I will update the show notes for this with a link to it um, because it's really, really fascinating. I think whether you are in fashion, want to be in fashion, um, but most importantly as a like fashion consumer. Yeah. It is, like, it really gave me such a broader understanding of, um, I guess, like, n- not only how much fashion impacts our lives, but then also the impact on various economies and economic yeah. factors. Um, the and trickle-down effect. Totally, yeah. yeah. And it's, like, very deep and wide in yeah. terms of what it, everything it affects. It and is. so it was super fascinating and also um i will say that jessica shared some of the most like innovative thinking around around, like how retailers especially large retailers should be thinking about this stuff and so i guess on that note can you talk a little little bit about like the work that you do in with luxor and finch absolutely so we work in two ways so um we work as product developers for tech companies for instance so what we do is we stand in the gap between their consumer and their products to say listen the fashion consumer needs this type of technology this is how they'll use it this is how they utilize it and a lot of times you have these engineers and computer scientists that that's all they do they're not interested in fashion they don't have they they don't have the same emotional connection to fashion that the average consumer has right so when they're building solutions it's like this is a solution for you which by the way who thinks like 
we all get stuck in the monotony of our jobs. Yeah. So it's really like, I don't blame people necessarily yeah. in a, it, to a degree for not thinking that way, yeah. you know, because you show up and you've been in that industry for however, I mean, however many exactly. years it takes for you to be bored of whatever you do. Exactly. Um, and so you're just looking at numbers and you're not realizing that like the stuff that you're wearing, sure. like you're just not seeing the you're big picture. You're not seeing it. And you're not understanding the like emotional side. Well, especially if you're yeah. a man. Oh my God. They don't <laughs> get it at all. They're like, listen, this should be like anything else. And I'm like, yeah, it should, but it's not like, I gave an example right. that I've had when I used to work in retail, I had to cut out tags for women who were just so crazy about, I know I'm not a size four. I'm a size two. And it's like, babe, it's vanity sizing. Right. None of these sizes make sense. And yeah. they're all different. So for brands and retailers, what we try to do is help them strategize and understand their consumers by something as simple as their body shape. Mm -hmm. So body shape analysis is a big deal because what you're built like in the South is different than if you're in New York, simply because one, you're going to be driving more in the South and in New York, you're going to be walking more. So your needs as a consumer is going to be different. The problem mm -hmm. is... Well, and brand, cultural differences. Cultural like differences. All types Food of things. is different. Like, De like style. Demographics. Yeah. Like... But brands don't take that into consideration. So they cast this wide net and they're just like, we're going to do one type of thing for everybody. And if it doesn't fit you, then whatever. If it doesn't work, buy. But that's costing them a lot of money. So one of the things we just try to do is help them to think strategically based on their geographic locations, based on what consumer feedback said and like what data they're gathering. But you'd be surprised like if you go to a brand and be like, okay, show me the data on your body shapes for customers in this demographic. They'll be like, what? Right. This is our fabric for the season. Get out. And you're like, wait, you cannot do right. that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, now that you've been bringing up fabric, because I really only thought about it in terms of fit, yeah. um, I just think about how, how I don't know, fabrics not only have changed over generations. Like stretch. I, stretch, like breathability, breathability, like the fact that we have dry fit now. Yeah, and like dry fits everything. God, I grew up somewhere that was crazy hot and like oh, wearing just everything 100% cotton all the time. A disaster. <laughs> like, it's like I'm permanently damp. Well, yeah, and not only that, but I like, people used to go like, well, how can you just wear black all the time? And I was like, because I'm hitting out every day. Yeah, what do you like, mean? Don't black's be the best. <laughs> and it's like, I don't want anyone to see how hot I am. It's either black or yeah. leopard. Those yeah, are my options. Let me confuse you. And if yeah. you can see through this leopard, you have specialized. You right. need to be doing something else. So then what is it? Because you uh, talked through a little bit about your um, education. Yeah. Which is amazing. And I'm well, so you. impressed with so like much. the curriculum that you, um, <laughs> you like co-developed I think with one of your professors yeah. it sounds like so could you talk through like what you got your bachelor's and then your master's sure. in um, and some of your experience in between that Absolutely. and now so I got my bachelor's from NC State University in fashion product development NC State unlike other fashion schools is totally focused on supply chain and manufacturing so one of the advantages that we had is we had um, every machine that went from like making a fiber to a thread to the machines that cut the actual like pattern pieces so that you can sew them together. We had sewing machines, we had 3D scanners. So like we had this bird's eye view of the entire supply chain and where technology would kind of integrate, mm -hmm. which was really awesome because it made you think completely different about your career. And like you, when you see the total picture, you're like, oh, this I see what needs to be better. Or at least it's how I think. Yeah, totally. So um, when I left school... Because you have context. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. here's where I fit in. When I left school, I decided to become an entrepreneur. I, I, was, I was arrogant. I was like, I've been working in retail. I can build a store. 
So I built a store online, and this was before, like, Instagram stores became a thing mm-hmm. before the Fashion Nova era. And, like, oh, social social um, commerce was such a big push for the company. It was, mm-hmm. like, ridiculous. It was, like, you put a product on a person who's a regular person. It sells ten times versus than me trying to get somebody who's a quote-unquote model. And that notion in itself made me be, like, hmm. This is a big deal, and tech can facilitate this. How do we kind of like create either an algorithm or a system that does it? Mm-hmm. Of course, I chase white rabbits, so like I have an idea I'm gonna chase it. It's just like <laughs> it's what that. I'm into. So yeah. I decided to move to New York to like kind of see like, am I just tripping, or you know, is this a problem overall? And after working in design houses, I realized it was a problem. Mm-hmm. So then I went to Cornell where. I was able to build my own career. Also, I would like to point out that you pointed that you you brought up that you went to Cornell. I was just like, oh, I just walked over there and it was fine. <laughs> I was like, hey, How's let it me going? in. I did. I think I'd like to go here. Oh, you'll take me. Okay, great. I knew you would. Let me through. Um, that's God. I just find the application processes in general oh. so intimidating. So, um, yeah, and we'll get into the yeah. South by we application later. That. But. Yeah. Um, but that's awesome. And so then yeah. the program that you did at Cornell is like super unique. Yeah, they let me build it. So my professor at the time was Susan P. Ashdown. She was like the authority on all things fit. God bless her. I think she just retired. When it comes to fit, she was like the expert of all time. And I told her, I said, hey, I'm interested in the intersection of fashion, tech, and fit. And she's like, all right, come up here. You can build your own curriculum. I'm like, well, that's too much of a responsibility. How did you reach out to her? I found her. I hacked my way through life. So like LinkedIn, so yes, yeah, the way to do it. You have to be risk. LinkedIn was like my bread and butter. Then I used LinkedIn to hack my way to the professors that I knew would be like around the topics that I wanted, so that mm-hmm. I could begin the conversation. Because what I really wanted to know is, is this program a good fit for me? I was thinking yeah. about an MBA at the time. I was thinking about another program through NC State and like FIT, but I'm like. None of these were going to allow me to do what I wanted to yeah. do. And I'm like, I can't just go get a degree and then take my career left and have to come all the way back right. Totally. And it's not worth it. So she and I had a couple conversations. I told her about my experience and what I'm passionate about. And she was like, if you're passionate, I would invite you to apply because you can build your curriculum here. That was intimidating until I realized, like, for me to be in fashion and tech, I needed both fashion and tech courses. So that's right. what I did. Yeah. That was cool. I took engineering courses. I took computer science courses. And I also took anthropometric data analysis courses. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. It was fascinating. It was, I nerded out. I like literally at Cornell, I had my nerd fantasy. That sounds like so much fun. It was. I loved it. And like Cornell's beautiful. So like you're like in this la la land of just studying. One of my um, former Cornellians asked me, she was like, don't you just miss Cornell life? And I was like, I do. It's like living in like a storybook and then you get to study like a true nerd. Like I could just be buried in like data all day and like scanning people. The dream. It was the dream. That's so cool. It was really cool. It was really cool. And from there I just started consulting because I got so passionate. I started writing about it on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is probably like one of the best tools. Do you pay for this, the membership thing? Oh no. This is going to sound really crazy. Please do. I wait till they offer me a free trial and like they don't notice that I've already had one, which they make you wait like three months now. And I just keep getting the free premium. Really? I assume that once I did it once, they would never th- throw it to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you wait I about mean, six if you, months if sometimes. If you were to LinkedIn, I apologize, but I've advertised yeah. with them before and they're yeah. not organized. They're not, but for yourself, <clears throat> this is what I like about LinkedIn. And I encourage people who are curious about like, how do I move forward in my career 
or like, you know, what do I do? LinkedIn gets you directly in front of the people that you might want to work with or the people that would be over you. Yeah. So you can develop content, you can produce videos, whatever you want to do, put it on LinkedIn and then add people. It's like, so it's the social media for your career. Yeah. So you need to, yeah. Yeah. You should definitely prioritize it probably more than your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram uh, is second. Absolutely. Instagram is like fit. Yeah. It is. (laughs) Right. It is. Because honestly, like, you can reach out to recruiters. You can reach out to the person you're going to work under and just talk to them about, you have the opportunity to show people your passion outside of your resume. Honestly, I think resumes are BS. Agreed. Yeah, I hate that people get, you know, judged by this piece of paper that you're supposed to fit on one page. Like, right. it's not fair. And that you're supposed to remember, like, what you yeah, did somewhere. I, I don't. So I don't think in terms of, like, I guess I just don't think that way. And so, in yeah. fact, my, uh, my, like, LinkedIn hack is that I go to other people who I know do the same thing that I do. That's smart. And I take, like all their stuff and I copy and paste it into a Word doc yeah. and I take it from probably like five to ten Because you need that structure. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I know I do this as well, blah, blah. Yeah. Exactly. It's too difficult. I don't think everybody's brains work like that and sometimes when you're creative or you're passionate about something, it's your passion that matters. And if and you're humble. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm not even saying like, oh, I'm so humble. Yeah. Didn't yeah. you notice? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <I'm just> being... <laughs> Look at my humbleness. Yeah. Reverence it. <laughs> it's the most obvious thing about me. Right. <laughs> um, but... It really, I mean, because to me, when, if I were to on my own decide to say, you know, I increase this brand's engagement rate or their, whatever it may be, like their mm-hmm. share of voice by X amount, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm discounting all the other work of my team mates, yeah. you know, like I, so it's tough. because I didn't do that by myself. Exactly. But the nature of this industry is it requires you to kind of like think for self and I think right. it's hard for people like us who are like that when it's like I don't want to brag about myself I know what I did can I just put an overarching sentence on it and you and I both just in the yeah. few days that we've known each other yeah. I feel like have the same way of thinking of things and the way that I'll think of it sometimes is like oh did I really or was it because of the algorithm shift or was it because exactly. like, it's like trends I, were in my favor exactly. or whatever I contributed but I don't but then we're missing out because there's people that are taking credit yes. for things that computers do and recruiters just want to know that you can do your job yeah. So LinkedIn is also a good way to figure out like what do I need to say or do to get that yeah. opportunity, and then when you get in there, you can let them know about your passion and stuff. But it, it just depends on you know how you want to go about it. I really started my own business because nobody had a job for me based on what I wanted to do, and I mm-hmm. value my time too much to yes. kind of just do anything. I cannot. Right. Agreed. Yeah. And and the idea of going somewhere, I don't know. It's nobody will fight for your own success and your own dream harder than you do. No, no. And anything anything that you're going to spend your time in, you need to feel sure about the beginning, middle, and end of it and where you're going to go. Because it's not easy, but you want to have the value of knowing, like, okay, I know where I'm going. Totally. And I know what this is. Because I've worked some pretty shitty jobs um, trying to get to where I was going. And I've also been turned down for a lot of jobs. And I'm like, you think I'm not qualified? Yeah. Okay, whatever. Goodbye. Right. But it's like, you know what? You got to just keep going. And sometimes it's a numbers game. Sometimes you just have to have the right people that understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. Um, and so I would love to get into a little bit of the behind the scenes of what you do. So you, mm-hmm. you'd mentioned, mm-hmm. um, and there's, God, there's like such a breadth of options we have here because yeah. I'm super interested in the technical aspect yeah. of what you do. And then um, prior to recording, we were also discussing just 
how it is when you're a solopreneur mm. and you're kind of like, okay. you know, in it's it on your life. own in a way. <laughs> and like that balance, which I, I know that like I've touched on this with a lot of guests, but I think it's really important to yeah. show a broad perspective <clears throat> of like problem solving. Yeah. And the way that we think and the different solutions we found for ourselves because Absolutely. we're all different. And we're all going to find different ways to get what we need. I think some people need more social time than others. Some people need less. Um, today I learned that both Jessica and I need to get out some aggression. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I, like, I like some adrenaline yeah. rush in my yeah. life. I want to go on, on something Excited. rough. And sometimes I may shoulder check people if I feel like they're walking in a yeah, on the sidewalk. Yeah. Come, oh, for, especially in New York. Oh. It it's is. Like, are you really not going to scoot yes, over? Yes, it is not a call to sidewalk so that you all can walk side by side for people I'm deep. I'm so glad you said that. I have every my so side, often, have side. I do that too. Oh. I'm like, oh, you want to act like you don't want to. I live near those stadiums, and yeah. when there's a Seahawks game, yeah. I go out just yeah. ready to. Like, let's I'll go. put in my headphones, put on some Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, and it's and like, just let's go. Shoulder check yes, every man. Right. <laughs> Get off me. I'm like, no, it's no, I'm not going to move for you. Yeah, sir. I'm not going to do that. And if you get that close to me, I'm going to just have to. Uh, and it feels good. It. Especially, it you know, I hate to pull the gender card, but being a girl, like, yeah. if I shoulder check you, what are you really going to do about it? Any response you have is socially inappropriate. Exactly. Now shame yourself. And <laughs> yeah. Who <go. laughs> raised you? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would love to talk about, um, especially at South by Technology, is so yeah. much of this. And I've seen some really great different tools for making 3D models, which mm-hmm. I assume is what you need for, what, what are they called, like the body image scans and stuff like yeah. that. So how do you, how, how are those created, A, mm-hmm. and then B, um, how would you like to see them used and like what kind of data do you want to pull from it yeah. and stuff? So 3D scanners are awesome um, and they're also like confusing for people. So <clears> three, <throat> that's what you're asking, right? Yeah. Okay, so 3D scanners are very, they come in different variations. Like, you have the machines that you step into, and they take a 360-degree, like, pictures of you. So they take about, like, they'll have, like, 114 cameras all in 360 degrees, and you have to put your arms out and stay very still. And it takes these pictures of you and measurements from every angle. But it's the cameras are in 360 degrees around (coughs) you. Yeah. It's not like... um, and I think that maybe I've talked about these on, on the podcast before, but like I shoot in 360 video sometimes, oh, yeah. which is the inverse of that. Yeah. It's in fact creating like that, like dome sort of effect in yeah. a video. And what Brittany's talking about is creating a 3D thing, like what you'd see on like Star Trek as like a hologram. Right. And so like what the scanners do, it, so the ones that have the camera set up like that, they take all these images of you and it pieces it back together as vertices. Like your points on a graph in space mm. and it can piece together the distances and things based on like how they're already calibrated, which is great. So those are, they come in as OBJX files. You take that OBJX file and you can put it into a CAD program and CAD is just computer aided design. And what we can do is see like a 3D representation model of your body. And now we can begin to map all of those measurements up there. Mm-hmm. So we'll know like, okay, your X amount of height, your your waist is this, that's the blah, blah, blah. That used to be the extent of what we can do. Now we can do that and then wrap actual patterns around you so that we can do mm. customization. Like in Clueless. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I wrote an article about that. I really? was like, this is from real technology. Oh my gosh, I'll get the link from you yes, and put it in the, that in the description. Awesome. So you can do those type of things and it's great, but here's the problem. Commercially, you can't put these in stores because people hate them. 
One, mm-hmm. it gives you back the worst vision of yourself you've ever seen in your life. If you've oh, ha- yeah. ever had any doubts or you're like, I don't like my body. If you've ever seen your 3D scan, you go home depressed. There's no one in the world who's seen it has been like, oh, this is great. Everyone's like, oh, I'm putting this on God. my wall. Yeah, everyone hates it. So one, you can't put it in a store. So then you have to conduct these scannings and like privacy with like volunteers. So a lot of scans have been conducted. We have like 50 million scans from different companies that are available. I know you saw that um, Amazon purchased Body Labs because mm. that's what Body Labs uses. You just mm. scan people. Mm-hmm. But what we're trying to do now is body shape analysis. It's like we have all these data points across the board and we need to start averaging them out to understand the main body types. And I know everyone's like, hourglass, pear, apple, but it's a little more complicated. Than yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah. So now what we're trying to do is utilize this in the design room so that we can create products for people that makes more sense than just like, here's one type of product. Let's just stuff everybody into it. Right. Yeah. Especially, you know, I even think about how much my own body changes depending on what type of workouts mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so if you're somebody I mean like me like I'll gain muscle really easily yeah so oh, and weight from the muscle which right. is like oh, which is not I mean I I was like the biggest pant size I've ever been when I finished training for running a marathon oh yeah because my legs muscle were just swell. crazy yeah and it was like this isn't really what I was going for here. Yeah. <laughs> I did this whole like butt workout thing, which was great in theory, but it like created so much mass in my legs and butt and weight. I was like, oh, this is a bad idea. Right. You're like, this isn't really what I was going yeah, for. I, I wanted to rearrange the furniture, exactly. not move in more. I wanted to lift and spread. I didn't want to bulk up like that. Yeah. So now I'm like cardio only. But also like different hormones affect your body type. Mm-hmm. So like when I stress... I get a layer of fat around my, my belly now. Totally. I think, like, especially women, that is oh very normal. It's like, oh, you're stressed out. Let me give you some visceral fat so that you can survive. So that you can stress out yeah. about your body. Oh, great. Because you need belly fat. And I'm like, oh, thank you. So even having... I appreciate your honesty <laughs> about this, by the way. It's fine. I'm in this field for a reason. But having this these data points still isn't enough for brands. Like mm-hmm. they get this data and they're like, we don't if know what to do. If they even get the data. If they get the data. A Which lot means of that they would don't. have to proactively pay seek for it. Out. Yeah. Like they would have to seek it out, but then also purchase it yeah. or conduct their own like research. Well, right? there's no R and D in fashion right now. So uh, co- sometimes what our consulting, our consultancy does is we're kind of like your R and D department. So, but if you were to make a database of that information Mm -hmm. and then just charge a rate for it, could you do that? Absolutely. And there's some companies that do that. Like, um, human solutions has this, um, this, uh, technology called iSize and iSize does that. They've scanned like 50 million people and they take all of those scans and you're, you can literally generate body types based on demographics. You can say, Show me a five seven girl in the southeast part of the U.S. who's eighteen and who is like um, a size thirty. Pant. Do they assign race to that? Yeah, they can. Okay. So you can say, I want to see a black person, an Asian person, this, so that you can see how those bodies average out and shift because they're just taking all the measurements and they're averaging them, which is really cool. One of the coolest things you can do up there is be like. Okay, let's say I want a lifelong customer. So I'm, I'm going to say I want to see a 5'10 woman who's 135 pounds from the age of 18 to 38 in 10-year in 
increments. So it'll show you three different body types right. and show how they're changing so that you can understand. If we want to keep our customer at 18 to when they're 38, we're going to have to, you know, adjust these hemlines because our average consumer is changing in this way. Right. It's brilliant. But like brands are still like, I don't know if we need that. And this may be an optimistic and hopeful perspective because, um, and this doesn't just have to do with brands mm-hmm. like making like better planning of their products, mm-hmm. but it also has to do, um, which is now that I'm saying it's something brands probably don't even want to do is mm-hmm. making things that will just fit you for longer exactly. also, which exactly. from a sustainability, from a pragmatic, non like capitalist, mm-hmm. uh, perspective would be the mm-hmm. idea. You're a socialist. <laughs> oh, no. Only oh, when it no. comes to clothes and yeah. also almost everything else. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Like the smarter way to go. But, but um, so then that could really help brands too. They don't think like that. And oh, it does. But now brands are about to get a slap in the face and on the wrist for not being sustainable. Yeah. So now they're like putting together a lot of commissions and councils that's going to like charge brands basically for their inability to be sustainable and mm-hmm. now it's going to cost them so we're going to see that shift happen because it's yeah. going to cost them money soon like a, a i hope it works like a tax like if you're not sustainable you get yeah. taxed well because... and perhaps even a little bit oh god i hate the fda so not them mm-hmm. but um i just think about the other sort of like organizations or mm-hmm. systems in of checks and balances in place to mm-hmm. hold companies accountable mm-hmm. like presumably there's one for the automotive industry yeah. you know um obviously there's plenty anytime there's like energy involved yeah um, they're forming one for fashion now and honestly like i met a brand who's actually trying to do that and they we were talking about what that would look like because i was kind of educating them on the importance of fit in that yeah. Because you can't say sustainability and you don't have a fit strategy because that's what's causing this to be so terrible. Well, one of the factors, yeah, right? Them, because there's also dyes and yeah, you know, like finishing. Dyes, cotton. Yeah. Like genetically modified cotton, how yeah. it gets transported. Exactly. You know, I I think I was, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast with, that Brittany was on, but mm-hmm. like sans a few items that I find impossible mm-hmm. to find made in the U.S., mm-hmm. like almost... I buy almost exclusively made in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And if it's not it's made right. in the U.S., I bought it used. It's yeah. basically That's my smart. policy. Like, I mean, shoes and underwear are very yeah. difficult to find ones made in the U.S. that you oh, also yeah. like. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, but I, I can't wear I'm can't. i a shoe person and I like... Oh, yeah. My shoes are definitely not made in the U.S. I'm sad about it, but... But I can't... I, I don't know. I can't wear shoes that look like I bought my clothes at Whole Foods. Yeah, I can't wear granola sandals yet. I no. just haven't reached that level in my life. No, I'm I don't, still young. I would like not to reach that I, yeah, level. I don't think life. that, I'm not looking forward to that. No. no. Um, that is super interesting. And so then, like, God, that's, and so then how, wait, do you know, are they creating those same organizations for beauty? Because I, that should yeah. also be well, in the FDA, yeah. So the FDA has to regulate that now. Because, um, but they don't regulate for sustainability. They regulate it for, well, beauty doesn't have as much of a sustainability issue, but they have a chemical issue. What about their bottles? That's true. Now, they do have, like, um, they're doing a lot to kind of combat the issue with plastics, but we also need a better alternative because, like, bamboo or cellulose-based, like, um, containers aren't always the answer because mm-hmm. the process of making them still creates yes. like excessive pollutants. Like if we made bigger containers right. and refillable containers yeah. and somewhere like 
it's a little bit That'd wild to me that I can't go to the Aveda store, like because I use Aveda shampoo. Mm-hmm. I can't just, go like, there and just pump it into the things that I have. Imagine that. So imagine how much that would affect their cost. Because you would want to start paying for the ounces and not the pretty packaging and not all the right. things, on not the shipment that came from the factory. So they'd have to take a significant cost hit, but it's time. Like yeah. overpaying for products so that, you know, you cannot be sustainable. It's a problem. And I think we're going to see a lot of this coming in the future because yeah. it's like people are fed up. Totally. Yeah, people are, are fed up. And I think I also, um, I worked at a beauty and skin, I guess more so skincare company um, for a little bit. And just seeing the size of the industry and then also having a better understanding of the, um, God, what do we call them? I think we called them like the beauty graveyards mm-hmm. that women have. Mm-hmm. Um, and awesome. yeah, I mean, I definitely have my fair share. Um, but I was really made more aware of it when I got into college and was just around more girls. Mm-hmm. Um, cause my mom is like not a girly girl really, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. she probably has like a travel bag that has some makeup in it mm-hmm. and that's what she has mm-hmm. and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when I got into college and I would see these girls' dorm rooms and mm-hmm. apartments and it was just like tons of stuff, product. tons of product that like should have probably been thrown yeah. away years ago and just never happened. It's probably expired. That's fascinating. So, Hoarding. yeah. <laughs> and also just like, oh, but I'll want that like lime green glitter nail polish oh, yeah. someday. It'll it be my summer color. One time I wore it. Yeah. It was on sale. Right. It could be cute again. Totally. Um, and so how do you think that, I mean, I'm just so interested in what you want for the future. Like, what do you, I mean, you've lifted off some, but like, what is your ideal like scenario in the, like, because it's such a new space. In the future, I would like to build out my own like technology platform that matches people to product much better. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually started like the preliminary part of building that out. Like Mm -hmm. I have like a co-founder. We just haven't decided to launch it. Like, we've just started the building process but in the future i'd like to see the shift happen where we collect this massive amount of data points so that we can make fashion smarter more efficient and more sustainable like we Mm -hmm. need to understand the consumers and their needs and their data points and the existing technology that we have we need more cloud-based solutions and we also kind of need to bridge these siloed departments in fashion because that's a huge deal you'd be surprised and what do you when you say siloed departments Okay, so I'll give you an example. So the design team doesn't work with the sales team who doesn't work with the buyers who don't work with the merchandisers. They're not all like having conversations. So let's say that on the sales floor, people are not buying a certain pair of denim. Mm -hmm. And what doesn't happen is like the salesperson has no way to communicate that back to the brand who can communicate it back to the designer who can make those improvements like that. Right. right now, it's just it. Once it hits retail, it's nothing that brings it back or tracks it. Do you think that has to do with fast fashion because they won't be doing that again? It's like, okay, well, that those pair of that denim, right? But they do. They, mm. It seems like they don't, but they are just recreating things and they're holding on to it. I think what it has to do is that fashion thought that it could exist with silo departments. They think that design has nothing to do with retail because interconnectivity and efficiency is new in fashion. 
It's mm-hmm. like everything's so like, I'm a designer. Here's what I made. Let's just throw it out. And then the right. buyers have the burden of like, okay, let's get this to the right people. But how do you do that if you're not communicating who that is, yeah. is for exactly? And then how can you do your job well if on the retails and your POS systems aren't collecting data? I'm like, okay, so why didn't this work? Uh-huh. Because imagine when you're in a fitting room, nobody's sitting there with an iPad like, okay, so what didn't work about that? Okay. Right. And tell me a little bit more about that. That doesn't happen. It's right. just like, you can... The fitting room is like the grimiest place of all. It's like, you can just leave your clothes there or hang yeah. them up. But there's no conversation. And that's the most yeah. important conversation to have. And so, to track. Like, exactly. not just to have enough qualitative track. data, but to have quantitative data. And take it back to the design teams and yeah. say, this is what's happening. In the future, I want to be a part of resolving that. Completely. And, you know, I think one thing that will be important in that is letting customers know why you're asking those questions precisely because if we know why like if we participate yeah like anytime i return something and they ask why i'm returning it i will probably lie in fear of them not taking the return exactly and see the problem is they've devalued that customer and salesperson interaction so much it's so much value on the designer so much value on the brand but when it comes to the person who interacts with the most important person in the supply chain, which is the consumer, nobody cares about that person. They're underpaid. They're not yeah. educated on what's going on, and they have no technology whatsoever to facilitate an experience that makes sense. There was an incredible article in New Yorker maybe a week or two ago, and it was talking about shifts in jobs mm-hmm. as AI becomes like more, mm-hmm. you know, just more advanced, mm-hmm. and like we can integrate it more into a lot of different career paths. And one of the quotes in it, and I'm not going to get it right, but the sentiment was basically about how right now, as is, a lot of like female specific labor is not prioritized or paid well, which is retail employees, salespeople, caregivers, you know, all these roles that are pretty almost specific. Yeah, that they really matter. Especially caregivers. Caregivers, absolutely. Nurses and nannies, like all of these things. Matter super super matter and that those are all jobs that will be like saved but not necessarily valued like we know from historical data they won't mm-hmm. get paid more they'll just mm-hmm. still have jobs yeah um we have to change that and any sort of efficiencies made in their job will then immediately make their employers go like well then you're not actually working that hard anymore right yeah um, which is crazy and the quote that they said was like basically saying especially with how you know alexa and siri and all these things Mm -hmm. they were like so we won't pour money into actual women but we'll pour billions into the female voice sigh and that and, and you know i've i've stayed afloat on them trying to make alexa into like a stylist fail there's some things you cannot replace if you have an eye for what works with people because you understand product and people, that person is the most valuable person in your company. Yeah. And brands like Nordstrom got that. Like yeah. I got my training at Nordstrom and Nordstrom did wonders for helping me understand that the consumer is first, that the shopper, you should think about their needs. And I feel like that is where we're missing out is like we're not valuing the interaction between the brand and the most important person, which is the shopper. Yeah. You have to train them and pay them more and make them happy. Respect and make sure the can, shopper yeah, and respect the people them. on the floor. Yeah, like, because the people on the floor will not respect your shopper unless you're respecting them. Exactly. So maybe in the future, you'll be able to shop in my stores where people are paid to collect those type of data and you have a real experience. Like Rebecca Minkoff, she does a really good job of collecting it. Really? Oh my God, go inside. Tell me more. Go inside one of her stores and when you 
you're in the fitting room, you have a mirror that has a computer in it that what? lets you um, ask for more clothing, change the lighting, communicate with the salespeople. Really? Rebecca is the future of retail, and I would love to follow in her footsteps and just like just work with someone like her to create these solutions. That's incredible. She's amazing. She is amazing. And I, um, on the last podcast I was on, uh, Daniel Saint, who mm-hmm. did her, I think was her CMO at some mm-hmm. point was on, um, which was super fascinating. And then unfortunately, like there was just, I think his internet connection wasn't that good. And so we Oof. never released the episode, no. but I know, I know I still have it. And I've listened to it a few times cause I learned I so much or transcribe it or something. I've thought about transcribing yeah. it, yeah, but it was really good, and um, it made me respect her a lot. Uh, She's a boss. Yeah, I guess I just never, cause her stuff isn't really my style, so it never me occurred either. to me to go but to the go store. Go to her store. I will if do you want that. an experience, if everyone who's listening wants an experience, and you don't have to like her stuff because she has accessories and different stuff like that, She's, but go in the store if you're in like New York or one of her flagships, and just like explore what she's doing. It is the future of how retail is going to run, and I'm excited to kind of be a part of those type of projects and she's a woman and she actually works with her brother her brother and she's like, young she is young and she's hip she gets it like yeah I, every time i hear her speak i'm like she gets it <sighs> i like her a lot that's awesome yes. um so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about applying to south by and what that was like for yeah. you um and actually if you could explain what the panel was about because i don't think i did it justice Absolutely. earlier that would be awesome okay so applying to south by Brittany actually saw that they were accepting panel um submissions and she hit me up one day and she was like we should apply to this but i'm busy so handle it and i'm like of course because we work like that so right. like, cool so you basically had to kind of... Which is amazing. I would like I would flounder at the idea of what to do on a panel. We've had a little bit of experience because we're chatty. You wouldn't, though, because you're a good conversationalist. That's oh, what that's it so is. That's so nice of you. You're welcome. So we just had to fill out really some paperwork on what our mission is, what we do, mm-hmm. and what we want to bring and to what's your mission? Our, our mission was to kind of inform people about fashion's fit and representation issue. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to frame it in a, in a way that like tech is integrating fashion so that fit and representation can kind of be resolved. But it sounds good, but here's all the hurdles with it. Here's what we're doing. Here's what yeah. it looks like. Here's all the different places that it's spread out on because... Again, you hear fashion, and you're like, oh, it's catwalk. And it's like, this is an entire $3 trillion supply chain. And, like, we don't have the proper technology in place to even, like we said, collect data. So our... Well, just to back up for a yeah. second, because to that point, I think what's important to, to note, because $3, tr- $3 trillion isn't, like, a tangible number, number right. any of us can grasp. Nor do I imagine the average person knows the amount of other industries, but you've mentioned on that panel tech that is the, the tech only other, is yeah. the only other one. Tech is the only other one rivaling at the three trillion dollar mark. So when people are like, "Oh, it's just fashion," it's like, oh, "Okay, it's just tech." Right, and also if I took away all your clothes, would you really just say it was all fashion? Do you go out in the nude? There's some things you absolutely need. <laughs> this is going to sound really bad. People are going to always do drugs. They're yeah, going to always want to drink. They're going to want to always have sex, and they're going to always need clothes. Everything else, people will starve to do drugs. People starve to drink alcohol. People do strange things for sex. You always have to have clothing. <laughs> Absolutely. People do strange yeah. things for sex. Someone has to make clothes. Someone has to buy clothes. That's the most polite women. Southern way I've ever heard that. Yes. <laughs> I am a Southern lady. Yeah. Strange things. Also, I will say, prior to this, Jessica must have insisted five or six times that I eat you before to we... You I wanted to make sure <laughs> you, you were the... fed and that you had time to eat. Absolutely. You guys made a lovely dinner. Yes. And thank you for the fruit. Thank you. Um, okay, so you fill out your mission statement. Yep. 
Continue with the mission statement. I cut you off. I'm sorry. You fill out this mission statement where you kind of just have to let South by understand what you're going to contribute to them. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, who you are in your industry and what you're contributing in that space. And they really want to hear something interesting. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be too off the wall, but just, like, some intersectionality that will interest people there that's, like, relevant to topics now. So when we... And open to their audience. Exactly. A good fit, one might say. Oh, good fit. See? (laughs) Perfect. We should have had you fill it out. So like you, yeah, you right. have to submit that as well as submit who you want as your guest panelist at uh-huh. that same time, and then they confirm with them. You'll have so time. do you check with the guest panelists ahead of time? You you that's their policy is that you check with them ahead of time and they agree. Um, they also can decline, so like it's okay if they decline, and then you can add more panelists towards as you oh, want. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, but they want to know like the name of your segment. They want to know how it's going to run generally, and you're doing this like we did this in October, so we were afraid like what if we needed to change it, but right. we pretty much stuck to it. And then there's just the waiting process of like you people have to vote on it. So once you, oh people vote on oh, it. Oh yeah, people vote and comment oh, on it. So you have that's to like so scary. yeah, you have to campaign. There's nothing worse than leaving stuff in the hands of your peers because it's like. Oh. So we had yeah. So once have you met my friends. Oh my god! I'm so kidding. once your panel gets like submitted, you have to get people to vote so that the judges can figure out okay, who do we want, who do we not want? Which, you know, it it makes sense because obviously it's in South by's best interest that people show up to your panel. Yeah. Um, that also just. I mean. As someone who was never popular, I'm not a fan of a popularity contest. I just, it it was like, well, God. But you know what? We were optimistic. We were like, let's campaign. Like, let's just campaign. You kind of have to be strategic. What we wanted to do is to make sure that people who we knew we could trust would go up there and comment on it. So we had, and then people commented that we didn't even us. So like people comment and they support you and then like you have to vote. I'm not really, they don't tell you how many people voted, mm-hmm. but like we put it in our newsletters and we asked people close to us to help us yeah. we're trying to go. Then there's a waiting period and then you're selected. And once you're selected, it's like, wow, we're in this. It's real. Let's go. I thought so, that was your response. I would want to hurl. I would be like, now I have to do it. Oh no. You know, like I said, me and Brittany, we work in a very interesting way where we're always, it's like, okay, we've done this, let's go to the next. We don't even have time to get nervous. The first time I saw Brittany nervous was yesterday. She was like, I'm nervous. And I'm like, really? yeah, and I wasn't nervous yet. I got nervous day of, but this is how we are. So I wasn't nervous when she was nervous the day before, but like I get nervous the minute before I'm, I'm butterfly I'm like mm-hmm. nervous. So she'll take control and she'll be like, okay, I'll open this up. And I'm like, I'll get us going. Let's yeah. go. So... It's good to do it with a group. Yeah, it is really good to have um, a partner or, you know, yeah. actually one thing that I really loved. Um, do you know who DeRay McKesson is? Yeah. And goal is somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't agree on how to get there, then you need to find the people that align with you on the how to get there. And that's, Absolutely. A, you know, a coalition. And what I loved about that was just kind of the encouragement that, like, find, like, that the end goal isn't enough. So I mm-hmm. think, A find people but be selective mm-hmm. and make sure that you're aligned on like the tactical you aspect have to. um and i think that the other part that i loved about that was also just like find people yeah absolutely. because so often i find like i feel like i have to do things alone um I- yeah it's not the way and i'm a loner 
But Same. I'm a loner because I don't trust the quality of other people's work. Same. I don't have time. I work at a fast pace mm-hmm. and I know that it can be harsh the way that I'm like very cutthroat about getting stuff done. I don't have time to baby you mm-hmm. or to have an emotional display about whatever you're feeling. I'm not going to discuss it. Yeah. So lucky for me and Britt, we're the same way. So we're very, but we're yeah. the same, but we're also different in a way that's complimenting. Where you can, and you can also trust that the other Absolutely. person will deliver quality work and be honest about where they're that's at. That's the best thing about Brit is I know she's going to, her quality level is above mine, which is even better. So really? I'm like, oh yeah, she's so thorough in details. I'm short and to the point. Mm. So we balance each other out perfectly. I love in that. that. Yeah, I'm a, very, I'm a straight shooter, no bullshitter. And she's very like, she understands the other part of like, over communicating and like kind of mm, like you I know see. yeah and I'm just softening like, the blows a little bit yeah and I'm like Brit you do that I'm gonna be over here let me know when you want me to shoot boom 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 so that's how we <laughs> that's kind of how we work in it it totally helps if you're gonna apply for South by to do it with the team you trust mm-hmm. even though like we had a little incident like it's cool because me and Brit's synergy is so good yeah we're able to get past it like we don't dwell we just keep moving and so then when it came down to the details, how did that work? Because I, I have a hunch that they deal with, like, the different parties differently. Because I know that, like, I think if you get something into mm-hmm. parts of the festival, they give you, like, a discounted hotel rate. Because you still have to pay to come. No. What do you mean? Well, well okay. I mean, you have to, like, pay for your flights. Yeah, you pay for your fl- flights and food. They give you a platinum badge when you're a um, platinum badge when you're a panelists and you do get discount codes for your um hotels we decided to get an airbnb because mm-hmm. it was just like we were we knew we were going to run the podcast and we knew we needed space um because we're seven and so um <laughs> you yeah you definitely have to take care of all your travel accommodations excuse me and um you have to work on that but so budget really is yeah, all I'm, like my budget, point is yeah. like but don't you can expect- get a sponsor Really? Yeah. What do you mean you can get a sponsor? Like, let's say, like, like your own sponsor. Yeah. You independent. Your own. Yeah. Do you have to run it past South by? No. Okay. You don't. They don't care. They're like really? just get here and pay your money. And so, but the things that um, I think that none of us realized that we did have to run past South by was to get content like, capture forms. Content capture yeah, forms. So and like, es- yeah. Especially for doing a podcast, you had to have a content capture form, and you needed insurance for that. Really? Yeah. So like, you have to have a certain amount of like insurance that people who are in media have oh yeah so you needed that how much was that if you don't mind me asking i think it was a hundred thousand dollars worth no no no. i mean how much was the insurance policy i didn't buy one so our former partner was in media and she had insurance oh she had yeah. already so yeah. somebody already had the yeah. insurance because okay. we were like i'm not i'm not gonna i was like no. these people are not paying a hundred thousand dollars for insurance please <laughs> i was like what do you mean insurance policy like what is right. it covering jesus I would, no exactly nothing so like um so yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Interesting. Yes. That's so cool. And so, um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So I think that like just about does it. I do have the one question that I ask every guest, which in retrospect, I feel bad because we had ample time to discuss right. this and instead we talked about uh, our feelings about hobbies, which is that we don't understand them. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, so the, the question I ask everybody mm-hmm. is, um, because, uh, and the whole thing of the podcast, right, is the behind the scenes yeah. of a final product. So that final product can be, um, like, a person, it can be, like, a physical product. Right. Um, and I don't know if you heard what Brittany said, because I don't, I don't know if you're in the room, but hers, for example, was, like, she wants to know the behind the scenes process of, like, all of the parties that touch editorial content or ad, ad content, like, visual content before mm-hmm. it goes out. Like, mm-hmm. so essentially, like, 
how are these like campaigns that are like obviously racist happening right mm-hmm, like how mm-hmm, is it mm-hmm. how many people how saw this, this yeah and like is it and because, was like this is fine well and is it also because like oh you saw a problem but you know that you're not in a safe space to it could say be, something it could be called company culture you know um and so how many like just that whole process which mm-hmm. i thought was fascinating and then like um yeah so there's a few different ones mm-hmm. so what do you want to hear the behind the scenes of I want to hear the behind the scenes of why people say no to technology in retail. Interesting. Yeah. I want to be in that discussion because it just makes no sense from a Mm -hmm. logical standpoint. It has to be emotional. It has to be something that's like, well, we just don't do that here. Now, I have been in the conversation when it's like a big, big, big retailer and manufacturer is just like, we're not that flexible. Like, we have departments spread all over the world. There's no way we can implement Mm. something and create this. But like, for brands who can, why not? But also, and why would you not then, because I imagine, especially with your experience and with your network, what you could also do is be a really incredible consulting agency for going, okay, well, let us help you put that on your roadmap. Like let's let's you know spend three months getting I'm to know your bring structures. I'm gonna you on to our team because I totally agree. And we <laughs> try to do that. Be your hype man. Right, like, like excuse you me, listen to it. her. Right, like she has good ideas. We absolutely try to do that, and it's still like brands are afraid of innovation. Nobody likes well, new people ideas. People are afraid of getting fired. Yeah, nobody wants to nobody fall on their sword. Lose their job, and yeah. then nobody likes good ideas because they're like, I don't understand it. And it's right. Like, okay you didn't yeah. understand how to do your job when you first came in but you learned so yeah and somehow you learned how to use an iphone so oh you'll my calm God. down so it's like pulling teeth sometimes but i i do want to be in those rooms when they're like no let's just be not sustainable and all in waste and just keep you know pissing off people who don't fall in this body type i think we're safer there i'd like to be there so yeah. i'd be like what yeah it's you know it's De- like debate now that you me. say it that way it just fascinates me how anybody and I guess people can feel good about it, right? Because we distract ourselves with everything else. Right. But I know even for myself, like in working in um, like digital strategy, like right. so much of that in 2019 mm-hmm. and just even for the last 10 years mm-hmm. has been about content creation, right? It's been yeah. like the focal point. Like yeah. what are you putting on the internet? Yeah. And for me even, I have had total existential crises over like, so we're just making more stuff yeah. to put on the internet? Because like, everyone wants to keep doing what they're doing. Right. You know, an object in motion wants to stay in motion, and an object at rest wants to stay at rest. Those principles apply within organizations, I feel. Yeah, and I just wonder, like, you know, what I do, it's, you know, depressing because you're taking mm-hmm. people who thought that they would be, like, designers for book covers, and then yeah. now they're having to create ads for something that will last for two days, maybe, yeah. and maybe... 30 seconds. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe two when you're scrolling. Well, and like, you know, maybe depending on the size of the brand, maybe yeah. millions of people will see it. Yeah. But guess what? In the same way that they have forgotten about all the terrible things brands have done and continue to buy They'll Gucci, about this. they will forget. And it sucks. Yes. Because then you're into like, well, we have to just capture attention. So let's just do outrageous stuff. Well, and you're like, everything I do disappears. So what matters? Yeah. But then if you're making clothes and you know especially for a company like you know forever 21 is Mm -hmm. always my scapegoat of just Mm -hmm. like completely not sustainable um when you're making clothes and you know for a fact that those are just getting thrown away they're getting they're not lasting 
they're getting returned. They're, they don't care. They're, what do you call it, dead inventory? Yeah. They're all they're, those things. How, but as, as a person, mm-hmm. as like a part of the cog mm-hmm. of the machine, I'm like, you have to do something to your brain to make it, you be okay with it. Yeah. And I think when you first get in, you're so overwhelmed. Like Zara, for instance, has 300 designers and their job is just to go to shows and rip off everything. Yeah. I they mean, find it, rip go it on off. Tumblr, yeah. find it. And, it's, and so like when that's your job, like, you know, you're being measured by how much you can produce. You don't have yeah. time to think about like. This is not sustainable until you yeah. get to that level where it's a privilege for you to do so. And the world around you is telling you, oh my gosh, you work there? That's so amazing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you're like, and then like people have guilt trips as they're transitioning out. Like, oh my God, I was a part of this. But it's like, that's five years later. Oh my God, did you say sorry to bother you? No, what's that? Uh, you have to see it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's intense. So like yeah. it took me three watches to get through it just because right. um and i think you know um did, are you familiar with boots riley no so he is like the main guy in this group of like i guess the 90s to present called the coup they're like a bay area hip-hop group mm-hmm. um he's incredible mm-hmm. his music's amazing the movie's amazing mm-hmm. and like uh kind of that's you know as people showing up to their jobs knowing that they're doing the wrong thing mm-hmm. some people striking and then other people moving up the ladder and yeah. um and, and just tough. Yeah. Like people need to eat and take care of their home, so it's like hard to decide like what do I do? But yeah. You just you know, like I think once we start slapping um corporations with these types of sustainability taxes and like accountability taxes, yeah. the it'll trickle down into their company culture where it's like, no. But sometimes totally. people don't have any say, like Yeah. Totally, I agree mm-hmm. with you. Um, where can people find you on the internet? You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at Luxor and Finch, and you can visit luxorandfinch.com. That's L U X O R A N D F I N C H.com. And my last name is not Finch, just in case people thought so. In case you weren't listening at the yeah. beginning. In case you see a tweet with that, it is not true. Um, and I would encourage you to go to her website yes. because she has so much incredible information on there um, about all of the data points we discussed Thank and you. more as well as many of the data points that uh, you'll hear Absolutely. if you listen to the WTF Fashion Absolutely. podcast. And critique it. I built that website. So I'm like, critique it. Tell me how you think I can make it better. I have some notes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate your time. No problem. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of BTS Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Trendscaping. As mentioned at the top of this episode, uh, please check out trendscaping.com. They have so much great information and insights, and just a lot to really kind of chew on and let marinate in terms of your recommendations for your brand, where you see your industry going, different ways to sort of pivot trends as it applies to what you're doing, and just kind of get the creative juices flowing. I find Trendscaping's newsletter to be super inspirational and not fluffy. Like they really dive into like what you need to know Um, in terms of trends across retail, marketing, and just sort of like people's behavior. Um, Again, check out Jessica's website. Uh, Her company is called Luxor and Finch. She has so much information on there and the work she does is really, really incredible. If you are with a retail brand, 
definitely reach out to her. She is, uh, she's a no-nonsense kind of lady. She has so much to offer. I saw her have a few conversations with various brands that were out South By, and just the amount of opportunity that she presents for companies is really, really incredible. Be sure to check out the WTF Fashion Podcast, as well as the Woman, women of Color Fashion Tech Brunch and uh, Girls in Fashion and Tech. Those are the just three really incredible things that uh, Jessica's involved with um, in addition to her own company. If you want to support this podcast, please do subscribe, rate, review, share this with someone who you think it would be relevant to. A big portion of sort of like my mission and goal with this podcast outside of inspiring career shifts, uh, inspiring ways of thinking, humanizing the people behind the products that we engage with every day is really to help people make better consumer decisions. I think, you know, a lot of us are stressed out in the world. Um, I know meditation has become really popular and, and tapping and wellness, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, and I encourage you, if you have not dug into any of those, um, download Insight Timer, try Headspace. These all have free trials. Um, maybe sample a few different, I would say some episodes of different podcasts to look at are when Debbie Millman is on the, she has an episode on the Tim Ferriss podcast that is just really incredible and is in fact what helped me decide to go to therapy and find a therapist. Um, I landed on finding a psychotherapist, which has been just really, really incredible. Um, look up Emily Fletcher. Her, she's the founder of Ziva Meditation. Um, and I bring all of this up because when we are relaxed, we make better consumer choices. We make better choices for our own lives and we can really approach our shopping and just choices in a way where we're looking at fit. Like, will we return this? Will this end up in a landfill somewhere? Um, was this sourced ethically? Is it made in a way that it will last? Because um, you might think that perhaps you're saving money on the upfront by buying something that's inexpensive, but if it only lasts you six months or even a year or a year and a half, that's a big difference uh, in terms of if you just spent maybe 50% more or maybe two times as much to have something that lasts you five years. Um, yeah, it's a big difference. Um, please take some of Jessica's tips around uh, getting mentorship, finding you know, advocates for you at different universities if you're looking to extending your education. And hopefully if you're thinking of applying to South by Southwest, our conversation helped, um, or it, really any conference if you're thinking of applying to it, hopefully that helped. Um, back to supporting this podcast, if you wanna support this podcast in another way, you can use my promo code to save on your first hotel tonight booking. The promo code is LCOOK61. Uh, you can use that. You will save. Hotel Tonight has really lovely hotels around the world at super reasonable prices. Um, their reward system is really great. I save now more that I've been, I mean, I've been booking with them, oh my goodness, for at least seven years, I want to say. They were just bought by Airbnb um, and they just have really, really good details. I'm now, I think, like a level four or maybe level five member. Um, I've booked with them in nine cities. Um, and yeah, just check them out. Use the promo code. It helps me 
be able to save when I am traveling, uh, which also helps me to record these intros and outros in a peaceful environment. It's a lot more relaxing when I have somewhere to do this than it is, um, I mean, I, luckily I have really incredible friends who let me crash with them, but that is not the same in every city. Um, let me think, what else can you do? I guess follow this podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me across platforms. The podcast is um, BTS The Podcast on Twitter as well as Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Atlanae Cook. Feel free to retweet any of the tweets that share these episodes. That always helps. Um, and if you feel like Venmoing me, nobody is here to stop you. It is just Lene-Cook. Support my caffeine habit. Support my own subscription to Insight Timer. These are all things that uh, help me out. Thanks again for listening. Oh, and music was by Benjamin Batherum. Uh, I forgot to mention that at the top of this or earlier in this outro. Um, and I really appreciate him. Look him up. He does really great work. He is a sound designer and has done a lot of just different compositions for commercial work. Um, and his own music is great that he shares out. So definitely look him up. Thanks so much. <laughs>